0: return of the midweeks. Hello dear listeners, welcome back to the midweeks. We're going to continue with Samuel here and we're in a great chapter, chapter 3, where we're going to hear the call of a prophet. And uh, so this entire chapter is about God speaking to Eli and beginning his ministry as a prophet um, as a young man. And by seeking him out in the middle of the night. And so let's just read this and I'll make some comments. Verse one now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. Okay, so we have a, a summary introduction here. We've, as I was saying last time, we are having the story of Samuel. Um, interwoven, kind of like a needle, going through fabric back and forth with the story of Eli. And it's the fall of Eli's house and his ministry as a judge over Israel, as well as the ascending of Samuel as a prophet judge over Israel. And this is where Samuel really um, begins to shine and comes to the forefront of this book that bears his name. Now he's still a young man, he's still a boy, and he's ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. So he's participating with the priestly worship. I don't believe he's a Levite, so I'm not sure exactly what work they gave him to do, but he's been brought into the worship of the Lord. And as a summary over these times, it says the word of the Lord was w- rare, meaning that there wasn't a prophetic voice or a frequent vision. Um, so there's different ways that uh, the scriptures will refer to prophets receiving revelation. Sometimes it's a hazon a revelation, but usually prophets hear God's word and then will speak out what they hear. Though sometimes, like in Zephaniah, um of is it Zechariah? I can never remember. But the later writing prophets will see visions and then describe the visions as their mode of revelation here. But Samuel is primarily a hearing prophet. So even if it says a vision, um, that those words can encompass any kind of special revelation, any kind of divine revelation from the Lord. You can um, you can hear it as well. So but it's saying that this wasn't happening during these days. Now Verse two. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim, so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. So here's a description of Eli. It's not only a physical description, but it's also um, a description of his, you know, his moral blindness and his spiritual blindness. Remember, with Hannah, he saw her praying, but couldn't tell that she was praying and thought that she was drunk. So his spiritual eyesight was be- was going dim, and so same here. He's lying down in his place. At in the night, and the description of him is that he can't see. Now, not every story about not being able to see indicates spiritual blindness. For instance, with Elisha, he goes blind at the end of his life, but he is still prophetically able to see what's going on and will still give prophetic um, pronouncements about the future. So his blindness didn't cause spiritual blindness. And same with um, jacob at the end of jacob's life he's gone blind but he can still give prophetic words but for eli this is a sense that he doesn't see what's going on but he is going to have like one last good moment of um, understanding god's will that's part of this story and actually bodes in his favor Um, and we can give credit for that the lamp of god was not yet out And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And so here at the lamp of God, outside of the temple, they would have had these lamps that were meant to shine or burn all night long. So that symbolically, it just is saying about the presence of God that there's always light. It never goes dark for the Lord. And so here are these lamps of God that are meant to burn all night long. And it says, so this is a bit mysterious. So the lamp of God had not yet gone out. So was it not being tended well and would often burn out in the night? Is that the physical side of it? But as far as symbolically, you know, it's saying things are so bad with Eli and his sons that you could almost think that this is the end of true worship in Israel. But the lamp of God has not yet gone out. So the, the, the fire has died down, but it's not beyond redemption. And I think that's part of the symbolism of, of picking out these details. The Bible is usually not um, super rich with descriptions of people's appearance or the appearance of the land or anything like that. It's not super rich in the Old Testament with physical appearances. And so whenever there are physical appearances, you have to ask um, does this mean something, or what's it trying to communicate? And so it seems to me like there's this sense of of the possibility of true worship disappearing in Israel, but it hasn't gone yet, and God is going to do something about it, and he's going to use this little boy who's sleeping in the presence of God, being near the ark in the temple. Now, I'm assuming he's not inside the Holy of Holies, but he's um, somewhere inside that, that tabernacle, inside the structure of of, uh, of worship that God gave Israel back in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. All right, verse 4. And the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. So we're going to have this progression of threes. There's lots, in good storytelling, things often have three, like how many goats went across the bridge in the Billy Goat's gruff, three goats. Most good storytelling has some kind of Trinitarian um aspect to it and this is a good story as well god knows how to tell a good story so there's going to be like three um three mishears for samuel and then the fourth one is going to be where he understands what's going on but so here we go samuel hears a voice he thinks it's eli he goes to him because he's a servant of eli so he has to be prepared to serve him even in the middle of the night eli says i didn't call you go back to bed Verse 6, and the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not know yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. So in verse 7 there, we're beginning to understand, why didn't Samuel understand or understand the voice of God? And it says, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Now this is interesting. In the last chapter, Eli's sons were described as not knowing the Lord. And so something's interesting here. Samuel is ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, but he doesn't have that um, prophetic revel- prophetic relationship with the Lord yet, which interestingly, maybe Eli's sons could have had something like that. Maybe if they had been true worshipers, they could have come to have this relationship of special revelation with the Lord. And now, it's But it's just a reminder here that Samuel had not yet become a prophet, and it's meant to make us have some anticipation for the rest of the story. Something's about to change here. The word of the Lord is now going to be revealed to Samuel. This is what's happening now. This is how God is going to take it from a place where his lamp is almost burnt out to a time where his lamp is shining and his word is known. And so for us as Bible hearers, it's good to remember that um, hearing God's word and understanding it is light for us. This is what it means to be shining brightly, is to be a people who hear God's word and believe it with faith and act on it. And that's what Samuel's going to do for this generation. He's going to call people back to the Lord by delivering his word. And people are going to respond to Samuel with faith. And so this is what's going to change things. Verse 8, and the Lord called Samuel again a third time and he rose and he went to Eli and he said, here I am for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. This is the best part of Eli's life from the story is that he understands that something is supernatural happening here. And this is a sign that Eli still has some real faith left that he, even though he's got these parenting failures that have turned into high priestly failures, which are very significant, this is like the burning ember of Eli's own faith that he perceives that the Lord is alive and he's calling Samuel, and so this is a good thing. Verse 9, therefore he says to Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you You shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. So this is wonderful. Eli's perceiving that God is doing something with the boy, and he trains him how to respond to God. He says, If you hear the voice again, don't come back to me. Instead, say, I want to hear what you have to say, Lord. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Verse 10, and the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. Now, this is an interesting verse because of the whole idea of the Lord coming and standing. Um, God is spirit and even his chief messengers, like the angel of the Lord, are spirit. So does this mean that he's got um, his chief angel, the, the angel of the Lord, the messenger of Yahweh, is standing here? Or is something else going on? But there's this heightened description of God's presence near Samuel speaking to him, and it's not the ark, it's something else. And it almost reminds you of um, the Garden of Eden, where... the Lord comes to Adam and Eve after they've eaten the fruit in the cool of the day and he comes and he speaks to them. So there's this sense of God's presence for judgment, for for speaking. It also reminds you somewhat of Moses and how God hides him in the cleft of the rock when he's going to reveal himself to him and he passes by, but it doesn't let Moses see him face to face or else he'd be destroyed. And so there's something about God's presence being um, intensified here in order to initiate Samuel into his prophetic service and the Lord said to Samuel behold I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle that's not a good thing On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end, and I will declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Okay, so this is the first message, the first revelation that Samuel gets from God, and interestingly, it's a judgment oracle. God has showed up to speak to Samuel that the lineage of his master and his mentor and the one who's caring for him that he's serving is now coming to an end. There's a judgment coming on him. And so this this is a hard word, and but it's the Lord speaking. And so Samuel lays, lay until morning. Did he sleep? You kind of wonder, you probably just lying there uh, awake. And then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. So he goes about his his work. So as far as what Samuel was doing for ministry, this is like the one thing we know about: is he opened the doors in the morning. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli, as you would be. There's relationship. There's care. Is he going to get beaten? Who knows what? But Eli called Samuel, and Samuel, and said, "Samuel, my son," he said, "Here I am." So this is like another calling, right? But this time, it really is Eli calling Samuel because he wants to hear the message. Here I am verse 17 and Eli said what was it that he told you do not hide it from me may God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you now good for Eli for wanting to know he has faith that God has spoken to the boy um, this phrase there may God do to so to you and more also is a is a bit of an oath phrase for them that means he's putting him under an oath it sounds really strange to us but it means like may god do to you everything that he maybe said to other people if if you hide anything from me so he's putting him under a bit of an oath that he has to do it um and so Samuel told him everything and hid nothing, and he said, it is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. So very good here that Samuel responds to God's word and the injunction to say the whole message, um, everything that was said. And so this is great posturing for Samuel. He's being taught to say all of God's word and not hold anything back. And this is part of Samuel's um, True service and why he's such a great prophet amongst the prophets is that he's dedicated to saying all of God's word. Now, again, he's a real man, and we'll see later on in the stories how he kind of has high moments and low moments. Sometimes he's even upset with the Lord because of the Lord's choices with um, the kings, but he's trained from his first prophetic word, even though it's a judgment oracle and not a happy deliverance to give, he's trained right off the bat that you don't hold the word back. And this is uh, his first experience of it and why he's such a great prophet in the history of Israel is that he was truly obedient to the prophetic words given. And Eli's response is very strange. Like there's enough faith to say, yeah, it's the Lord. I've heard this before. You know, he's heard this prophetic word from a man of God before. And he says, let him do what seems good to him. And so there's resignation to it. There's enough faith to say it's God's word. But you do kind of wonder if Eli should have responded some other way. Fasting, prayer, um, even though God says, I'm not going to forgive you. Um, you never know until you really ask. And so you kind of wish. Remember when David had the child with Bathsheba and Nathan comes and gives the oracle that the child is going to die? David still fasts and prays until the child dies. And that's almost a sign of his faith that Um, even while there's kind of life, there's hope, and he's going to seek the Lord. Even though the Lord said no, he's going to continue to seek the Lord. And so you see a little bit less zeal to pursue the Lord, to change his mind, even from Eli here. So it's half faith. Okay, verse 19, and Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord, and the Lord appeared again at Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Okay, so at the beginning it said, you know, there's no frequent visions and the lamp has died out. At the end of the story, we have Samuel opening the door to God's presence as the sun is rising. So it's a picture of light dawning on the temple of God and on the worship of God and for the worshipers of God. And then you get this summary verse this is a large summary this like summarizes all of samuel's ministry that the lord was with him that none of his words fell to the ground so whenever samuel heard a word from the lord he'd proclaim it and then the lord would back up the word that he'd given samuel by making it happen and all the people from dan to beersheba is a bit of a saying it would be like for us saying like from vancouver to prince edward island or something like that meaning the entire area Um, knew that sam was established as a prophet so now he gets this respect that he's got this office as a prophet and now that shiloh's gone from this place where um, the anger of the lord is against the priests and god is not known there to now people are expecting again to meet with god at shiloh because samuel is bringing the word of the lord Alright, so God is faithful to his people and he brings back his prophetic word to people when they're in dire straits and it looks like everything's lost. Christian, get in your Bible. That is where you're going to get the light of God shining on your face. And Otherwise, be blessed and have a great day.